I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. Did you know that photons aren't Catholic? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they don't have mass. <laughs> <laughs> Science and Catholicism joke! amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh my gosh, well welcome to episode two. We are so excited to be here. Um, and to start, Matt, why don't you start with your joy junk Jesus? Um, yes, uh, my joy... I turned 30 this past week, Woo! and um, I know that's probably not a joy for a lot of people, because people are like, aren't you feeling old? And I'm like, no, I feel great. So, but especially just because of all the love that was poured out um, by especially just people closest to me, my wife, Jenna, Tony, um, but it's just all the friends that came together and all the people who just um, shared a kind word and surprised me in little ways. It was just really awesome. So, um, shout out to all of you. And um, Junk... Um, what was my junk? I had it and then, oh, this sounds really weird, but my junk today is my beard. What? Because, I don't know, I just have a love-hate relationship with it, and some days, uh, it's like, yeah, this looks good, and other days, like, I look like I need someone to give me the corporal works of mercy, like, I need some help, so... I'm just, yeah, I'm having a bad beard day. And then <laughs> my Jesus moment, we had an XLT at our parish last night um, from when we're recording, and it was just such a blessed, blessed night. We had a, a in-house band that I helped put together do it for the first time, and it was just so, such beautiful worship. So it was a really awesome experience. The Lord definitely showed up in some powerful ways. I love it. Um, your beard thing, Father Tim made a post, I think on Twitter, about how... Um, he can't eat ice cream. Oh yeah, I saw that last night. (laughs) I'm not not at that level yet, but (laughs) my beard is issues. That was funny. (laughs) Um, so most of my joy and my junk and my Jesus have to do with retreat. Um, because we just got back from retreat, my year one confirmation retreat. And so my joy was we had a talent show and (laughs) all of the small groups had to do some talent and three of them decided that they were going to do jokes and all of them, and there's like 10 people in a small group, all of them would do jokes. So I heard about 30 jokes on retreat, and I was kind of sick of them by the end. But then there was a boys group that um, sang Love Story by Taylor Swift. Awesome. And then proposed to the crowd at the end, and it was pretty darn hilarious. It was great. So that was my joy. My junk was that Satan tried so hard to dismantle this retreat, um, and it kind of got to me. Um, but my Jesus moment was that Matt actually brought me, um, the Eucharist to bring for adoration, and I got to carry Jesus with me, um, in a pic for, like, six hours, (laughs) and he got to be on my person and just with me, and it was like he was hugging me, and so, um, it just brought me so much peace, and the minute that Jesus was with me, everything else kind of just dissipated all the problems everything was fixed yeah. and jesus was very present it was very very good um so that was my joy and my junk 
my Jesus, right? I yeah. Them all. Awesome. So what is our topic today? Today, our topic is on evangelization and Ooh. how do we evangelize? Um, what does the church <clears throat> teach us about evangelization? And then how did Christ evangelize? And what did that look like? And how does that look today? Mm. It's pretty good. Can we say what evangelization is if anyone doesn't know churchy words? Yeah. You want to describe what evangelization is? Evangelization is basically sharing the faith, sharing the gospel, witnessing to Christ and what he did and what he's done in your life. So if yeah. you've never heard that $5 church word before, uh, that's what evangelization is. I, yes. people, I feel like people say it all the time, and I say it all the time, and then a couple people last week came up to me when I was saying it and were like, what does that mean? Mm. And I was like, you know, I forget that people don't, yeah. don't speak Catholicese sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and I typically think of evangelization, especially when I was in high school, um, as just solely like soapbox evangelization on yeah. a street corner. Somebody yelling out about hell and Jesus. The end and, is near. Um, <laughs> holding up a sign and just telling everybody that they're damned to hell. Um, and that was where my mind typically went in high school. But I also loved um, some of that because I saw a lot of people that we're actually doing it pretty well, and I thought that that was the only route through which we could do evangelization. Mm. Um, and then as I got older and I learned a little bit more about the Catholic Church and our faith, I realized that it's a daily act that we do. It's how we live our lives. Um, but there's a statistic that makes me really sad that it says, um, it's estimated that only 23% of U.S. Catholics attend Mass each week, and those 77% absent from the Eucharistic feast feasts each week are not strangers, that there are parents, our siblings, our spouses, children, and friends. Mm. And it makes me sad because how are we actually evangelizing to those that are around us, the closest to us, our friends, our family? Um, how are we evangelizing mm. and are we doing it well? Um, and typically when we think of evangelization, um, I know for myself, when I started evangelizing and thinking that it was just an argument to be one, that it was something that um, we had to have witty comebacks or we had to have the answer to every single question mm -hmm. that people had. And if we didn't have the answer, that we lost an argument and that then we lost their soul. Mm -hmm. um, but Christ's first commandment to us is that we have to love one another. And if we're looking at somebody as just an object of a conversation or an argument that we can win, then we're not truly loving that person and their soul. Yeah. Um, so we have a few steps to what evangelization looks like and how Christ did it. And the first one is humility. Um, Philippians 2.7 says, Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. So if we look at Christ, we look at the humility of stepping from his throne and stepping down to this earth um, to become a slave for us and how he daily was humble and he would listen to people um, and when we're humble in conversation and we're humble in talking about our faith, it shows the other person that, that we're conversing with that that person has something to offer, that we can learn something from that person, and that we're not above them just because we may know more theology or we may have a closer relationship with Christ, but that person is truly a person to be loved and looked at um, and that has something to offer. So humility is always the first step to any conversation that um, we're entering into to evangelize or just to know that person. The second step is the willingness to listen and to be present to people. 
Um, we really have to go into conversations without an agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ did that with the woman at the well. When he encountered this woman at the well, he was thirsty, he was tired, he um, just wanted water. And so when he encountered this woman, he listened to what she had to say, and then he responded. And he told her about the gospel and truth and how um, she was living in sin. But we first have to listen before we respond and we attack with an agenda. Yeah, I think this has a lot to do with, you know, with humility as well. The the first one that like so often we think of evangelization is like what, what I'm going to give to this person, what I'm going to say to them. Mm-hmm. And there's this belief, especially in the Old Testament and at the time of Jesus in just Hebrew culture with hospitality, that you always see this behavior toward the stranger as something that's very important. You know, like mm-hmm. when a stranger would come, you would wash their feet, you would give them food. Um, you know, we don't have that anymore in our culture, so we've lost this. But it came from this expectation that you were expecting to encounter God in another person, always. Mm-hmm. And so in evangelization, I think we have to put aside this notion that like, I need to communicate something to this person that they lack versus what should be the real emphasis is I'm going to encounter Christ in this person and draw that out mm-hmm. um, through listening, through questions. I believe that the best evangelization um, conversations are when you ask a lot of questions. Yes. Because not only are is that person then having to kind of think rationally about what they believe and why they believe it, uh, but you're also getting context. You know, they may be asking you about you know, abortion or same-sex marriage and what the church teaches about these things. And we sometimes evangelize to an issue and not realize that there's a person behind the question Mm -hmm. that they're asking, either them or someone they love, someone they care about. And we have to realize, like, no, there's flesh to these issues, and they're not just issues. And we need to be asking questions and be humble and not, like, be wanting to, like you said, win an argument, but to really just sit with them and not be thinking about our next response mm-hmm. when they're sharing or when they're answering a question, but just to be honestly listening. That's called active listening. When you are listening to kind of summarize and give back. So like, say someone says like, you know, well, this is why I believe in um, this and you know, this is my experience. Say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you believe this because of this experience you had. And then following up with a question to make them go deeper. Instead of saying, you know, well, that's wrong. Or, well, have you thought about this? You know, and coming right back with a retort. We're not really listening and showing that we care honestly about where they're at. Yeah. This reminds me of um, the probably a month or two ago, <laughs> I, me and my friend were... Um, We'd just gotten home. We had a speaker fly out from Colorado, um, Maggie Craig. Shout out if you're listening. Shout out number six. Six, yes. Nice. And we were putting our things down, and we looked through the window, and we saw um, more missionaries walking through <laughs> our parking lot. And we got so excited that we ran outside, and we sat on our patio acting like we were having a deep conversation, (laughs) hoping that they would come over, and they did, um, because they were turned on by, like, six other people, and we witnessed it. It It's really, really sad. Um, But they came over, and they just wanted to share their faith with us, and so we told them to sit down, we got them some water, and we just let them talk, and we listened, and it was probably a beautiful encounter um, because we listened, Mm -hmm. and we got to know their side, which so often we don't do in evangelization. We don't listen to the other side to come to an understanding of, oh, this is why you're atheist, or this is why you're 
you know, Mormon, or this is why, because I know I've had conversations with people that claim to be atheist, and it ultimately comes down to, once I've asked them questions and gotten to the bottom of it, they're mad at God because he didn't answer their prayer. Yeah. And we can't get to that point if we're not actively listening Mm -hmm. and we're not asking them questions like Matt said and we're not being present to them. We're trying to win an argument. Mm -hmm. So your willingness to listen is huge. Um, The second, or I'm sorry, the third point is we're not trying to be manipulative or have control over the person that we're conversing with. Mm -hmm. Um, Christ in John when after he had talked about how his um, flesh is real food and his blood was real drink, his disciples turned away and said that this truth is too difficult. We can't can't um, believe in this because this is too difficult. And it says that from this time on, many disciples broke away and would not remain in his company any longer. And in that moment, Christ didn't change his truth. He didn't manipulate truth or um, give a half-truth for them just to make them feel comfortable with it so that they would stay. And we can't manipulate conversation. We can't manipulate truth just so this person comes into our own faith um, and understands us and believes us because when we manipulate truth, it's a lie. It's not, it's not fullness yeah. of truth. And we're ni- manipulating them into something that um, we're not giving them fullness. We're not giving them true Christ. And in a sense, that's sinful because like sin is desirable or else no one would sin. And in sin is truth, goodness, and beauty, but distorted. And so when we distort the the truth, we are leading towards something sinful. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea, I think, of am I leading other people closer to Jesus or am I leading them closer to me? Mm -hmm. And that's something, yeah, and that's something that I constantly have to be aware of, that we constantly have to be aware of in ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, am I building a rapport with these teens or the people that I serve so that they'll feel comfortable. There has to be that initial trust so that they will have that openness. But I need to be constantly humbling myself and not being manipulative and directing them toward Jesus away from me and becoming like, you know, okay, you know, I'm here for you, but this is your journey. Yes. And all of these things, um, and I have two more, but all of these things are things that Christ did to have relationships, to have friendships, <clears throat> to to get to know an individual and know their soul and we can't we can't um, go into a conversation without attempting to get to know a person and wanting to create a relationship of trust and understanding and if you're manipulating a conversation you're not building a relationship that is built on trust mm-hmm. so we can't go in with a manipulative nature or trying to control the situation um, trust in God and trust in others is a huge part of evangelization because we're all wounded by sin and we're wounded by other people and encounters and disappointment um, because people have failed us, because they're also sinful and broken. But Joshua 1 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We have to trust that when we're going into these things, that God is standing next to us. That um, he will speak through us if we're humble, if we're willing to listen, if we're not being manipulative. Um, and that whatever encounter we have, that we're planting a seed. 
And that's all we can do is we can ask the Holy Spirit to be present in our conversation. And we just have to trust that whatever happens after is up to God and not up to us Mm -hmm. because we can't put that weight on ourselves. It's not up to us. God has sent us. He's commanded us. He's commissioned us to go out and speak truth. But after that, it's all up to him. Yeah. Something that's been coming to me a lot in conversations is uh, the phrase, do not put God in a U-shaped box. Mm. So like God is not confined by the borders of my own ability, the borders of my own, you know, truth, my own ability to articulate the truth. Um, but God goes beyond that, you know, um, and that reminds me of that, you know, scripture passage. If our God is for us, then who can be against us? Like we have, how can we not trust in the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator, you know, all knowing, all present, all powerful, uh, who created this intricately massive universe with some small conversation, you know, mm-hmm. and then be able to say like, okay, God, like I give you control over the rest of it. We, we can be really proud and selfish sometimes, I think, when it comes to evangelization and feel like we have to like, oh, if, if I don't hold their hand through this, then they're not going to make it. And it's like, you know, no, not a one single person converts anyone. The Holy Spirit is the converter of souls. And we just need to create a environment where the Holy Spirit can work and that he's welcome into, you know, that I can step aside and say, like, Holy Spirit, this is yours. Mm-hmm. And conversion typically doesn't come from one conversation. Mm-hmm. It comes from many encounters with Christ and a um, change of heart. And so we can't just expect that this one conversation is going to hold all weight and make this person change their mind on mm-hmm. who Christ is. Um, the last one is so incredibly important because I see it every single day. Um, an attitude of joy. We have to be joy-filled. Yes. If we're not joy-filled, then we're living in Lent. Mm-hmm. And um, Pope Francis says that there are Christians who li- who lives seem to be like Lent without an Easter. Yep. We have to live like we're living in <laughs> Easter, not in this like dead Lent where Christ is dead and he hasn't risen. Yeah. Not that Lent is bad, but like no. if your whole life is a Lent, then like... Get out of the desert, man. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, we have to live the joy of the gospel. We yeah. have to live it out every single day. And that doesn't mean that our lives aren't going to be difficult. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have pain and sorrow. But amongst that pain and sorrow, we have to show that there is hope. And there's hope from the cross and there's hope from the empty tomb. So we have to be filled with so much joy amongst the pain and the suffering. Because we have to show people that, yes, suffering will come. Pain will come. But there is still hope. Hope that in the resurrection that Christ rose for us and that we have to be joy-filled. Yeah, I love Mother Teresa. She says, um, joy is the net of love we use to catch souls. Mm. And that that is just like such an attractive quality when someone is authentically joyful. And I just find myself gravitating toward those people, like wanting to talk to them, wanting to check in with them about how their their life is. And um, it's just such a, a, a great, easy tool for evangelization. And I... Pope Francis in that encyclical Joy of the Gospel, he said he literally says we can't be sour pusses. Like I love that the word sour pusses is in a papal encyclical. Like how cool is that? Um, and saying that you know we can't come out of every mass like looking like it was a funeral. Mm-hmm. You know, like that even at funerals we're supposed to be joyful because of the life that they're being called into into eternal life. These souls that are departing, and you know, there's a time to mourn and there's a time to be joyful, you know, mm-hmm. scripture says as well. And so, um, I think that's absolutely key. And I think, <clears throat> can you list those five points one more time just yes. so we have them all? So humility, 
willingness to listen and be present to people, not having a manipulative nature or control, or trust in God, and an attitude of joy. Nice. And I think that all of this has to stem from, in the very beginning, a sense that if this is going to turn into an argument, like a heated argument or a debate, uh, or if this person is not willing to admit that they could be wrong about something, mm-hmm. that this is just not a conversation that needs to be had in this moment. First um, Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ may themselves be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be the will of God, than for doing evil. And so if our intentions are good and we approach it with gentleness and reverence, like that's when we're supposed to share our faith. But if that's going to be completely not recepted, recepted, received <laughs> by the other person, if they're just going to want to argue, debate, yell, you know, throw obscenities and slander at us, uh, then there's no reason to start mm-hmm. the the argument because in a sense the battle has already been lost. You know, I think Socrates says uh, the enemy resorts to slander when he knows that the battle has been lost, and you see that in political discourse, you see that in religious discourse all around, and so I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, so for our saint, this episode, uh, I I love this saint. Um, and this saint has a really beautiful, unique approach to evangelization that really is in line with all of these points that Jenna shared. And that is my home dog, St. John Bosco. <laughs> so if you don't know who this guy is, you have to go look him up. His feast day is on January 31st. He's the patron of apprentices because he helped get like um, like apprentices at his time. They were being abused. He helped get them like better rights and stuff like that. Editors and publishers, school children, juvenile delinquents because he worked a lot with um, troubled youth. But he's also the patron saint of magicians, and I love magic tricks. <laughs> and so this is why I love this saint, because he's like a saint, and he did magic and little carnival tricks. So he was born uh, August 16th in 1815 in Becci, Italy, which is about 10 miles east of Turin, um, where the Shroud of Turin is. And his father died when he was very young, so he's raised by his mom, who's actually on the path to sainthood, um, Venerable Margarita Ochiena, I think that's how you say her name. Um, she helped him a lot with a lot of his missionary work to the poor in his area. Uh, but at nine years old, he started having visions. And he had this vision when he was surrounded by a bunch of friends who were just cursing and like not <laughs> behaving well. And he was encouraged by, by God in this vision to conquer these your friends. And I think that's like such a, a good like base to start like evangelization, to look at the people who are around you and see like, okay, whose heart can I win for Christ? Mm-hmm. Not because of the bad that they're doing, but because of the goodness that you see in them, the way that you want to encounter Christ in them. So shortly after that, there was um, circus performers that would come through his town and he would watch them. He would watch their magic tricks, their acrobatic acts, and he started learning them. And so when he finally became a priest later on, uh, I think he became a priest when he was like 20, um, pretty young. He used his magical talents to draw the attention of the young men in the streets of Turin and evangelize them, um, especially because he saw a lot of young men who were like 12 to 18 in the prisons, uh, and he found a lot of the ministry that was going on at the churches like not very effective. So he went where people were to evangelize them, and I think this is something huge. He didn't wait for them to come to his church 
that he went to them. And I think we do this so often. We like, okay, what program can we start? What ministry can we start? What can I do at the parish to evangelize? And it's like, no, it's, it's out there. The people that need Jesus, you know, the future saints of our generation, a lot of them aren't Catholic yet. And we have to go find them. Um, and it's not about just like sitting around in the comfortable four walls of our church. Um, and then he also, John Bosco also had this passion about educating the whole person, body and soul. So we can't just like seek to evangelize someone spiritually and forget about their physical needs. And so he had like a, a house that him and his mother started to provide for the physical needs of poor boys. I think there was like 800 boys staying there at one time mm-hmm. at the most. Um, he had a devotion to Mary under the title, The Help of Christians. Um, and he would recognize the gifts of a lot of these young men and saw the potential uh, of them to pursue the priesthood. And so with about 15 of them, he formed the Society of St. Francis de Sales, which became the Salesians. So if you ever met a Salesian priest, think Don Bosco, which is another uh, phrase that he's called Father Bosco. So um, a lot of miracles were worked through him, uh, curing of diseases, restoring hearing, healing, paralysis. And it, once it was said that he rose a dead boy back to life. Dang. So he's a boss. So yeah. <laughs> um, he could read people in a way that was just really uh, telling in confessions. Um, and he was a friend of uh, Pope Pius XI. They were good friends. And Pope Pius XI was the one that actually canonized him. Oh. And so like, he got to canonize one of his friends. He actually said about him, in Don Bosco, the extraordinary becomes ordinary. So you just see all these things, but he made it just so real. Um, John Bosco died January 31st, his feast day, in 1888. And as I said, Pope Pius XI, um, or it was the 9th. I think it was Pope Pius XI. Um, I have it written two different ways. I think it was Pope Pius XI. Um, he agreed that his cause for canonization should be opened, and um, he was canonized in, in 1934. So a couple of quotes from him that um, we want to leave you with. Um, these are all from John Bosco. It is not enough to love the young they must know that they are loved. Do not lose any time. Do good. Do all the good you can, and you will never regret doing it. Give me souls and take away the rest. And lastly, first tell the devil to rest, and then I'll rest too. I love that one. First tell the devil to rest, and then I'll rest too. Because the devil is working, you know, like like a a prowling lion, like it says in scripture, Mm -hmm. seeking to devour souls. And if we're not vigilant and we're not on guard and ready uh, to always give a defense for the reason for our hope, as Peter says in in that letter, then we're wasting our time. Yep. Gosh, I love that saint. He's so good. Yeah. So look him up. Say Novena. His feast day is coming up in a couple months. So, um, you know, learn a magic trick in his honor. And he used to literally go into the streets and juggle or show kids magic tricks and be like, hey, come follow me. Like, I'll show you more magic tricks. And he'd take them to mass. And they'd be like, how did I get here? I just love that. And so, you know, it's just, it's like David Blaine meets Jesus. It's awesome. That's so good. And I just, it it shows that um, he started out with just something so normal and he created a relationship and brought people to Christ. And I think that's the whole point of um, today's episode is just we need to remember that we're looking at people and we need to encounter them and have a relationship with them. Because if we don't have a relationship with them, they will not trust us and they will not want to listen to us. So not an argument, not trying to win anything, but trying to just look at them and see Christ in them, just like you said, Matt. Amen. Amen. So that's it. That's it. All we got. 
That's yeah. it. That's episode two. So um, share this episode with your friends, uh, especially people that you might want to evangelize with. You know, yes. Jesus sent them out two by two. So, you know, find a, 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 a joy buddy. That's what I'm going to call it. A joy buddy to go spread the joy yeah. of the gospel with. Um, don't be afraid to do that too. And yeah. don't be afraid to just start a conversation and talk about, like if somebody asks you how your day was, don't be afraid to say, oh, it was great. I went to mass and saw Christ in the Eucharist. And just share like that because make it normal. Because if we hide and we say, oh, I did, um, I went to my church and then not share anything, <laughs> it, it's not showing the joy and it's just not being yeah. open and honest. And so that's how we truly are going to share in our just normal day of who Christ is to us and our testimony. Absolutely. So if this was helpful to you, we hope that you will share this episode, rate and review it on iTunes. That helps other people find this podcast um, so we can hope that it will continue to be useful. We also have blogs and vlogs and we'll continue to be doing that. So on our website, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out, um, you can find those there um, and share those as well. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash manafoodforthought or that link is on our website. And you can be a financial supporter and you get access to patron-only content. And depending on your contribution level, you can even um, sponsor an episode and pick the topic for mm-hmm. an episode. So um, we'd love to, to have your support in that way and more things will be coming with that money, you know, different stickers and merchandise and t-shirts and things in the future. And so we're really excited to bring all that to you. Um, otherwise, you know, like, share, follow, friend on social media, and yep. yeah, I think that's, that's it. it. Well, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.